Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. Well, continuing our series on cattle health, and since you know we've got a really excellent vet that's been willing to hang out with us, Dr. Barry Whitworth of OSU Extension. He's kind of our the, the statewide vet that we go to as area specialists to get a lot of our questions answered. And you know, it's Barry, it's kind of calving season you know we've started and we're in the middle of it i'd say some people are in the tail end process of finishing up if you're lucky like me and you turn your bulls out may 15th you're just getting started after all the cold weather so i feel like i made a million dollar decision there in having my bulls turned out a little bit later so i got pretty lucky but you know we're going to ask you a few questions a piece here as we kind of go around table and maybe whoever stumps you first wins a prize i don't know but i there's always several questions when it comes to calving season and i'm just going to start off with you know what what i find myself admittedly uh feverishly looking on google whenever i have problems with a cow how long do i let her struggle or how long do i let her try to have her calf before intervening that's a good question i think if you've ever seen dr Selt talk about this there's been research done at osu and at up in montana on that subject heifers what we want to see is that they're continually making progress uh, and if it takes longer than an hour then we think that that's the time that we need to intervene and try to figure out what's going on in heifers and and cattle cows adult cows we would cut that down to 30 minutes that's what the research has shown so i'm not necessarily saying that if the calf you know the calves cows in labor and an hour later she hasn't had the calf that that means you got to pull it right then what i am saying though is i got maybe a nose and two feet exposed i come back in a heifer and i watch her for an hour and, and that nose and those feet haven't moved yeah i need to intervene now if she's progressing it's just taking her some time. That's different. Let her have the calf. But if we've got no progression for an hour and a heifer and 30 minutes in a cow, we need to try to figure out what's going on. I guess the first question backing up is when do you start that clock? Like you said, you, sometimes you might see some feet or nose taking out, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. In general, if you're there from the start, if you see the water bag, that's the point that you need to start paying, watching the clock, okay? Because that should be, presentation of the water bag should be the initiation that we're in stage two labor. And that's what we're talking about here, stage two labor. Uh, so not, not so much mucus, but the actual bag. Right. Yeah, stage one, that's where we're getting that dilation of the cervix. So you're going to see maybe, like you said, some mucus and some things like that. But stage two is what we're talking about. That's when that calf is is getting into the birth canal and actually the whole birthing process is taking place. The water okay. bag is pretty unmistakable. So you, right. <laughs> that's not you. Pretty, you pretty much know what's going on when you see that. Right. In case you're listening and you're kind of wondering, what's a water bag? Right. <laughs> 
you know, I have clients ask me, well, I'm not there all the time. I, I just kind of tell them, hey, you're going to have to use some judgment if you walk up on a cow that's trying to calve. But again, 30 minutes later and she hasn't calved, that's a good idea. Hey, I need to at least try to figure out what's going on. Barry, going back to, you know, Dr. Selk, he always talks about calving kit. So what is, in your opinion, your most valuable tool or a couple tools in your calving kit? <laughs> most important and valuable. It doesn't have to be the most useful. Just what, what would you say? That's a good question. But I would say, I'm going to say two things that I would want to have if I'm going to pull a calf is I want a sleeves and I want lubricant. Okay. Sleeves protect you. They also protect the cow. You know, whatever bacteria is on you, you don't want to be inserting into that uterus. So put a sleeve on and try to protect her. Plus, if there's any bad bacteria in that cow, uh, you're not going to have those exposed to you. So make sure you got sleeves. Make sure you got lubricant. You can't put too much lubricant on a cow uh, when you go to pull in a calf. So I'd want to have those two things for sure. I want to say in one of the fact sheets I saw that if you don't have lubricant on hand, the substitute could be like a non-detergent soap and water, right? Yeah. Ivory soap and water is great. <laughs> It'll work just fine. Yep. A calf puller, a lot of guys have, and those are what, two, three hundred bucks. Those come in quite handy, but sometimes maybe get used before they should. Right. Have you seen cases where they've been? Oh, yeah. <laughs> overused. Uh, you know, what you need to keep in mind, the amount of pressure that we should put on a calf when we're pulling it is what two average sized men can pull. You know, I always tell you, we're not talking about an OSU defensive lineman here. Okay, we're talking about just average men. How much pressure can two men pull on a cow? That's as much pressure as we should apply when we pull a calf. Some of these calf jacks that are made can put a, a tremendous amount of pressure on that cow. I really recommend people talk to their veterinarian when picking out a calf jack. I have one that I really liked because I felt like in people that are not used to pulling calves all the time, uh, that it was a little bit safer to use than other jacks. So you just got to be careful with those because you can sure damage the pelvis and especially you can damage the calf if you're, if you're not careful. Well, Barry, we learn a lot from my failures. So I'll bring <laughs> up another one. I had a cow this year that I came, I, I check them once a day. So I came to feed them and her water bag was out very obviously in labor. So I fed the cattle. She kind of went off by herself. She did eat cubes even with her water bag out. So she, she was not by herself at all. So she, she finally decided to go lay down and I'm watching her and you know, it's probably been about 15 minutes and I start, I see feet and they don't look right. So I kind of get my phone out and zoom in on her and I can see that she, that calf's coming breach, but both feet are sticking out. So at that point she's laying down and I, decide to go home. I get a calf puller. I come back and watch her. It's been about 30 minutes and the hips are out and she's struggling with the hips. And anybody that's seen a cow have a calf breach, that's, <laughs> she can get past the hips. She's probably going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But this calf is out of the cow and 
30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes, somewhere in there. I couldn't have intervened if I want, wanted to because she was too mobile. I wouldn't have been able to get to her. And the calf was dead. Uh, is that common? You know, like, can you talk to us of kind of what goes wrong in that situation? Yeah. When you get a breech calf, the unfortunate part of that is once that calf, as you said, gets to those hips, then we're going to compromise the umbilical cord. Once you cut that blood supply off at some point, in, in just a few minutes, that's going to stimulate the brain to tell that calf to take a big gulp of air. If that calf is still in, in, inside that uterus internally, guess it's going to gulp a bunch of fetal fluid down into its lungs and basically drown. That's what you're going to see happen. So, yeah, it, it, that's the unfortunate thing about breech calves. You've got to get them out in a quick fashion, if usually in order to save them. Uh, they cannot spend much time once they get to that hip point and that umbilical cord gets compromised. They've got to come out or, or they're going to take again a big gulp of air that's not there. Yeah. And that tends to, the more I learn about this and the more I do it, the intervening faster rather than later tends to be the good idea. But when you try to justify waiting to intervene, it's probably because you're being lazy. <laughs> and you don't want to have to mess with it. Of course, cows can be wild and it's tough to get mm -hmm. to them. I, I think in this case, I'd have had a very difficult time getting to her because she was very mobile. But that's nah, just one of those unfortunate situations. You can do everything right and still things go wrong. Yeah, breech calves are, are unique. And, it you know, always, you know, when we're pulling a calf, we always say work with the cow. You pull when the cow, you know, when she pushes, you pull. Then when she rests, you rest. All bets are off when it's breech coming backwards. You've got to just get the calf out in a quick fashion. You don't you don't pull when she pushes. You pull all the time and get it out, get it on the ground. Uh, that's going to give you the best opportunity to save that calf. So Barry, jump forward. We have a maybe a, a difficult birth or um, you know bad weather or something, and and we're not sure about the colostrum intake. What's the importance of colostrum? And then what's your guidance as far as colostrum types and that sort of thing? Well, of course, colostrum is, is got all those good antibodies. It's got all those vitamins and minerals and that high energy content. So it's, it's really liquid goat for the calf. Um, and so I got, you know, we'd like to see those calves get at least, and this will be a minimum, we'd like those to have two quarts of colostrum within the first four hours of being born. And then you'd like two more uh, thereafter by 12 hours. Now, again, we're beef cattle people. We don't, uh, we're not, we're not like the dairy people. They're going to administer all that colostrum. I mean, we're, we're, we're counting on that calf to get up and nurse. So I always said, I like my calves up and nursing uh, within two hours. Having said that, there are some things that you can watch for that give you a clue that you need to intervene. Uh, calves that uh, don't get on their sternum within 15 minutes. That's a clue to you that you probably need to intervene and get that calf some colostrum. So if you come up, you got a calf that's laying out flat you know, 15 minutes later, he's still laying out flat. That's not normal. You know, these calves should be getting to their sternum. They should be getting up and walking uh, within about an hour. So any of these things that are not happening, that's clues to you. You need to intervene and get some colostrum in that calf. Uh, and mom's colostrum is going to be the best thing that you can get. Again, 
Obviously, beef cows are not used to getting milk. It's not any fun to try to milk one, but that would be what would be best for the calf. So if we can't get colostrum from that cow, what are our options? Your best option is if you got a cow that's got too much to get it milked out, freeze it and save it for a day like this. That's your best option. Some dairies have colostrum, but you sure need to know the health status of that dairy because you have to watch out for some diseases like yonis and that type of thing. But some dairies, you know, have good management practices and you can get colostrum from them. They got more than they need. Uh, if you can't have any of those, you can buy uh, colostrum uh, replenishers and you need to get a replacer, not a supplement. Replacers are usually not cheap. If you go down to the feed store and it's a cheap source of colostrum, it's most likely not replacer. But you need replacer if you're trying to give a calf colostrum that has not gotten colostrum. Supplements you can use if you think the calf didn't get enough, you know, colostrum from its mom and you're just supplementing what he's already got. But make sure you get a replacer if, you, if it hasn't had any colostrum at all. What would be the telltale signs of the calf never got colostrum? What would be the downside? Most of these calves will have difficulty as far as fighting off infections and those types of things. So a lot of times when we have calves that break with scours, you know, a few days after being born, that's one of our clues that, hey, this calf didn't get enough colostrum at birth and he's succumbing to the infections. He's been exposed to these pathogens and now he's getting sick because he didn't get those antibodies for mom to protect him. So that's one of the main thing you'll see is you'll get sick calves a few days after they're born. And what was the time frame that you kind of gave on needing to get colostrum? We sure would like to get at least two quarts. And I'm saying that's a minimum. Some people think it ought to be more than that within the first four hours of life. And then an additional two more quarts within the first 12 hours of life. You know, after 24 hours, that gut tightens up and they're not going to absorb those antibodies across those cells and inside the inside the digestive tract. So we missed our opportunity once we get past those 24 hours and it declines fairly rapidly uh, after six to 12 hours anyway. Really, the earlier we can get it in, the better. So I had another question, but I can't let this go because uh, <laughs> Because I've had a, a pretty similar situation right here recently with a calf that had curled front legs and he, and he couldn't get up. And, you know, going, working with this calf and everything, you're talking about two quarts. I mean, anyone who's milked a cow before, that is a lot of milk when you're thinking about how long that calf has to suckle to get that. So I think it'd be pretty obvious either your calf's drinking colostrum or he's not. And yeah. it has to be pretty active in four hours. I would say they have to be on that cow quite often to get, get that much. I don't know if that's more of a statement than a question, but. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, calves that are bright and alert and responsive, you know, when you come up and find a calf like that after being born a few, few hours afterwards, I mean, they're usually head up, they're bright. They may want to be sleeping, but if you get close to them, they usually pop up and they're nice and alert. <laughs> It'd be pretty unlikely they haven't gotten colostrum i'll just say that those calves are that that's 
that milk is full of energy, that colostrum, I mean, it's not milk, but that's full of energy and, and, and they feel, they are, feel pretty good after getting that in their belly. So if they haven't gotten any colostrum, is all lost or what can we do to help those calves? It's not all lost, but you sure have to be, uh, you know, one of the things we might want to do is start vaccinating those calves a lot earlier than we would uh, their herd mates trying to stimulate an immune because the calf's born with a functioning immune system. It just has to get exposed to all the different uh, pathogens in order to mount an immune response. So there's been some work on uh, research done on, on colostrum-deprived calves that has shown they will respond to vaccines, but you got to start them pretty early, you know, in life uh, to start getting them uh, a, an immune response so they can start building some antibodies on their, on their own. Um, and that's probably one of the things you can do, uh, watching them close and intervening, you know, if they get some type of infection quickly as possible would be the other thing that I would suggest. Uh, one thing that we can do, uh, probably not practice that much though, but if you sure enough know, let's say 24 hours, let's just say we know that cap didn't get colostrum. We can actually, uh, basically we would take the mom bleed uh, as far as bleed her and get us some serum and then infuse that serum into the calf. It's kind of a, you know, it's not a difficult process, but it does take some time to get it done. Uh, would probably be a little bit costly, but we can't, we're basically doing the same thing in that way. We're taking the serum from the mom that has all those antibodies and everything in that serum that protects her. We're now infusing that into her own calf. Uh, and now that calf will have those circulating antibodies from mom. So it's a practice that some people use. Uh, like I said, when you know that calf didn't get, didn't get colostrum. So what is your advice, Barry, on some of these producers who have these orphan calves after this cold snap? You know, I've heard people who have four or five bottle calves. And what is your advice as far as getting them along as far as their health status? They may not have had colostrum, but what if they did? I mean, bottle calves can be so difficult uh, to look bright. You know, they just look sad. I mean, all the time. So what is your advice on getting them healthy and getting them going? Well, my advice is don't let me do it. Uh, take care of them because <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, it's you know? hard. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of that when I was a kid. <laughs> That's why, you know, I, people that know me, I, I do have some cows, but I've got a lot of sheep that I bring all the orphan lambs to my wife because she's going to baby them, take care of them. And they do well under her care, not mine. Uh, it, it just takes a lot of effort in babying. You've got to work with them, get them to start nursing. Uh, that's not automatic. You know, it takes patience to work with those animals you got to make you got to make sure they never get chilled or cold. You've got to put them in an environment where you make sure that they they stay warm because any setbacks is just going to be costly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just think it takes a lot of effort and time is the most thing that you're going to have to do to make sure those calves survive. So speaking of all the winter storms we had this early calving season, what about frostbitten ears and tails is there anything we can do about that or keep eye out on 
Yeah, you can treat, I mean, you can use different products, you know, some of the colloidal, all the silver deans and those types of things that we use for burn skin and stuff, you can put on those and treat them topically. Yeah, my experiences are going to have short ears and short tails is what you're going to see in the future. That's just unfortunately, but that's what you're going to see. But but they can be treated topically and maybe uh, it won't be as bad as it could be. I know we talked quite a bit about pulling calves, but what do we need to be watching on the cow after we got that calf out? Prolapses or tears? Or- right. The main thing you want to be as far as a cow, once she's calved, you know, you want to make sure she sets up placenta in a timely fashion. Um, depends on who you talk to about how long we would consider it before it's retained. But eight hours is a number that I use. Uh, we need to watch that. If it's still in after eight hours, then that's a concern. Um, now, I don't recommend anybody go in there and pull those out uh, like we used to when I was a young man. I just fresh out of vet school, we'd go in and take all those out. And we probably did a lot more harm than we ever did any good. We mainly just want to keep observing it. If the cow shows any indication that she's sick, you know, not eating, or if you have the opportunity to take a temperature and she's got an elevated temperature, then that's when we need to think about doing some type of treatment. Uh, As far as an antibiotic is concerned, um, you know, I would consult with the veterinarian on that. Different people have different opinions. What's the best antibiotic to use? But, and then hopefully eventually as that as that placenta breaks down, uh, everything will be okay. You also need to watch out for, you know, maybe she shed the placenta. Watch out for discharges. There's going to be some discharge after the calf is born. But if you start seeing an unusual amount of discharge or you see an unusual amount of of something that's really discolored or purulent looking, you know, yellow or greenish color, probably need to get that cow checked out, make sure that uh, she doesn't have a, a severe uterine infection. So keep those things in mind. So Barry, helping my brother this week and pull a calf, he's four for four on bull calves. <laughs> Is there anything a producer or cow calf operator can do to, if he wants more heifers? Is there anything out there? What a question. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You can use sex semen. That's, yeah. that's that go. would be my idea. Uh, that'd be my suggestion to you. There's no doubt that some bulls though, it, you, you may be able to find some bulls that do, you know, that, that do produce a certain sex more than others. There's, that's for sure. But I think sex semen is probably going to be your best option. Uh, if you're doing AI and, well, nobody can top that question. Um, <laughs> Josh just asked the the, the million-dollar question for the cattle industry, and the only answer we got was a very expensive remedy. So <laughs> It was a good answer, Barry. It was, it was the answer. Was You're the exactly answer. right. It was about the only answer. Dr. Woodward, thank you for joining <laughs> us. We really appreciate you uh, kind of answering all of our questions. I think we could go on forever with this, and maybe we'll have you back and and even more obscure questions we can come up with, maybe actually stump you next time. But thank everyone for joining us. Dr. Whitworth is, of course, available to answer questions, our extension veterinarian, and of course, all your animal scientists or 
your local county extension educators are more than willing to help you during calving season. So feel free to reach out whenever you need to. Also, as Dana always tells me, consult with your local vet as well and trying to get the best answers for your herd locally. So with that, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.